0: and Hair presents Evil Isn't Easy,
1: Chapter 1.
0: Ma'am? You came back. I'm sorry if I woke you. I know it's early.
1: Is it? I hadn't noticed.
0: How could you not have noticed?
1: Child, I've been locked up in your king's dungeon for a week in the dark. I'm aware of the month, approximately the day, and after that, it's all one large smear. I don't suppose you've brought any food?
0: No. Why would I feed a witch?
1: Why, indeed. Indeed. So I'm interesting enough to converse with, but not to feed. It's always good to know where one stands.
0: How can you be so flippant? We're scheduled to die.
1: I'm scheduled to be executed.
0: It's the same thing.
1: It is far from that. Your dirty clothes and face mark you as a servant, but your tone and demeanor says you're used to issuing the commands, not obeying them.
0: I was not always like this.
1: That I can understand. My childhood was also not one that inclined towards happy ever after. Was it your father that passed?
0: My mother. But I didn't come to talk about that.
1: Then what did you want?
0: The old stories. The fairy tales. You said they were about you and that that they were in the wrong order.
1: I did. It's a long story, but parts of it I expect will sound familiar. I've heard them told countless times, each version a little different, a little farther from the truth. You
0: have to start it properly.
1: I wouldn't have it any other way. Once upon a time, there lived a little girl a few years younger than you. She'd barely met Joy before misfortune moved in to stay. Her parents were taken from her, first mother, then father, not by magical creatures or errant curse, but by cruelty and ignorance. Two beasts that cannot be conquered by magic swords.
0: Sorry for your loss.
1: Thank you, but it's been a very long time. In point of fact, I can't remember much about them at all. Neither voice nor face. It's a cruel trick of the mind. I can recall every cold night, harsh beating, cruel laugh from after. But those who first loved me, their hugs, their kisses, those have been taken from me. What did you do, being all alone? Whatever I had to. I didn't have the constellations of my parents to show me the way and keep me moving in the right direction. Instead, I had to learn about the cruelties of the world. (laughs) I learned very quickly about the haves and the have-nots and where on that scale I fell.
0: Surely someone took pity on you, poor orphan
1: girl. In that time, in that place, pity was in short supply. You've read the stories. You know that magic was much more common then. Now progress seems to have pushed all of it from the land. I did what the old story said. I wished on a star, threw a horseshoe, put milk out for the fairies. But none of them helped me. That's when I learned what you want cannot be given. It must be taken. You became a thief. Worse, I became a liar. I would pass myself off as a noblewoman who'd run into bad fortune, robbed, attacked by beasts, whatever I thought they'd believe. And I promised to pay them back tenfold for any kindness they'd show me. Did it work? I found that people are much more generous when they expect it to be returned to them with interest. Plus, people have an easier time believing a story when it comes from a young and pretty face. I would take what I could, food, clothes, a warm bed, maybe even a few coins to help me on my way. I'd leave and never return. I expect some of them waited the rest of their lives for the royal retinue to come by with their chest full of treasure.
0: That's so cool.
1: As cruel as leaving a young woman to starve, of letting her sleep outside instead of by the fire. In borrowed clothes, in a warm room, my belly full, my conscience was clear. I think you'd understand how the tree of society grows. What does that mean? It means you fell from a much higher branch. And now you're looking up to what you once had with anger and with envy. You don't know what you're talking about. Huh. As someone who has been from the bottom of the tree to the top, I have a unique ability to see where on the branches someone stands.
0: And at the top of this tree, at the highest bow, sits the king, who has sentenced you to die.
1: Mm, See, that's what I thought. But it turns out there's someone with more power than a king. Who? I was about to find out, but first I told one lie too many. It was a cold night, that I remember. And I arrived at an inn with my story of my carriage being attacked by bandits, my guards all killed. I'd even killed a bird and smeared its blood on my face and clothes.
0: That's disgusting.
1: Yes. But I have found that the details are what sell a great lie. But that night no one was buying it. From table to table I went and gray-faced patrons just turned away and looked deep into their mugs. I kept up in the anning, but no one would bite. So finally in desperation I said that I could do magic. Transmute simple items into gold. Could you? <laughs> Not at all. I'd heard a charlatan in a marketplace making such a claim. I figured I'd take a chance with this new piece of bait. And I hooked someone. He was well-dressed, a nobleman of some sort, and he questioned me about my claim and my kingdom. Luckily, lying was second nature to me, and telling people what they wanted to hear was much easier. Soon I had a ride in his carriage to a nearby castle.
0: But what were you going to do?
1: What I usually did. Cry, sleep, defer, And then sneak out when no one was watching. With my stomach and pockets full, of course. But that's not how things went. This man, it turns out, was a member of a guild of moneylenders. If it helps, think of them as a cult that worships gold. I know the type. I was introduced to the guildmaster, and he was not interested in my pretty face or my tale of woe. Only on the magical ability I'd claimed to possess. I smelled trouble, but also opportunity, and I tried to make it as difficult as possible for me to do my trick.
0: You told them you could spin straw into gold.
1: I did, but only with fresh straw and only with a specific style of spinning wheel and this and that and another thing. I managed to stretch it out for a week or two, all the while I was eating well and planning my escape. But the greed of men should never be underestimated.
0: Eventually, you have to spin.
1: So I was locked in a tower with a spinning wheel, a pile of straw, and an empty wheelbarrow, and a bad feeling that my luck had just run out.
0: And that's when he showed up. Rumpelstiltskin. Stillskin.
1: Okay, so first off, it was a she, not a he. And that wasn't even her name. I won't give you her name because even in death, names still have power, and I don't know if it was the hour or the place or my utter desperation, but she showed up with a deal. She'd teach me to spin straw into gold. In exchange for your firstborn child. For a lack of my hair. See, I told you the story's been misremembered. It seemed like a fair deal to me. Then she showed me what real power was. What do you mean? Like you, I'd always thought of witches as stealing children, stirring cauldrons, making houses out of gingerbread. The witch showed me how wrong I was. She brought out a worn leather book filled with strange symbols and from the center, she taught me a spell to change one thing into another. For her, a simple alteration, thin yellow straw became thin gold string. It was then I could see the top of the tree and her standing on it. And you were grateful to her? No, I was envious of her. I no longer wanted a safe place to stay, a warm bed and breakfast in the morning. I wanted what she had. I begged her to make me her apprentice. She agreed, a bit too quickly. Night after night, she came and taught me the spells, teaching me to read the strange symbols, to understand the forces she controlled. Another night, another pile of gold, another lock of hair, another step closer to true power.
0: What about the king? I mean, the guild master. Didn't he want to marry you?
1: <laughs> Not in the least. As long as he had a steady supply of gold, he didn't care about anything else. I was no more than a prized cow to him. He wasn't the real threat at all. What do you mean? There's power in names. She taught me that. She knew mine, my true name, not the one I'd been using. But there's also power in the body. A wise spell worker can do a lot with pieces of it, especially those freely given. Hair. Exactly. Each night, another snip another ounce of control given up, and I never even felt it. Finally, my hair gone, we came to the end of our arrangement. That's when we revealed our true selves to each other.
0: Bill always comes due. That's what my father says.
1: A wise man. She'd always appeared to me as a beautiful woman, radiant and calm. This was an illusion, what she called a glamor. In truth, she was ancient, withered, ugly, her body worn out by the use of her magic. And she was looking for a new home. With my hair and with my name, she had nearly all she needed to remove my soul and move into my body. What did you do? I had known she was up to something. Nothing for nothing. And I'd been doing my own reading in the book. She was a powerful sorceress, ancient alien, but she'd once been human. And habits don't go away even when the forces of the universe are yours to control. In the front of her agent's spell book, she'd written her name, her true name. No. With it and a few tricks I'd learned, I altered her spell, and instead of removing my soul, I absorbed all her magical abilities, basically resetting her body back to pure human. What did she do? Oh, she screamed and she cried, but I let her powerful spell do the work, and she couldn't stop it. I grew more powerful as she wasted away. And finally, with a loud scream of pain, she exploded into dust.
0: Oh, I'm so sorry. You're sorry? For what? For you. You were too new to your power. You had no idea it would kill her. You were just trying to save
1: yourself. Of course I did. I made sure of it. No way was I going to let her go free or give her a chance for revenge. She had what I wanted. I took it and I made sure she'd never get it back. You What? You think she was the first person I'd killed? It's a hard, cold world out there, and I did what I had to do to survive. And now, with a staggering amount of power, I set out to make the world work for me. What about the guild? Oh, them. I killed them all, too. What? I was their prisoner, used for my ability, kept as little more than a slave. Their greed was a plague, and I was going to set things right. Now I had power money, and a castle. It was time to enact some real change, and to see what I could do from the top of the tree. What did you do? I told a young girl that she needed to go and serve breakfast, or the royal family would be most displeased.
0: Oh. Oh no. I I have to go.
1: Of course you do. Come back tomorrow, and I'll tell you about my time as a queen of my own empire, and the pale girl who tried to take it from me. You're not too scared of an old witch's tale, that is.
0: I'm not afraid. Of course I'll be back. As long as you're sure. Until then. Until then. Ox and Hare's
1: Evil Isn't Easy is written by Kyle Olson. Performed by Jess Harris and Brooke Unpreferred. Directed by Kyle Olson. Produced by Ryan Fitzpatrick. Follow us on Twitter at Ox and Hare. Check out our Facebook page or come by our website, oxandhare.com, where we've got mysteries to unravel, the undead to console, and a time traveler. Just not at once. Find new adventures each week on Ox and Hare's Monday Matinee.